1: I know you saw this yesterday. I had nothing to do with it. It was all Steve Letart.
2: I did see this, and I assumed you had nothing to do with this, but you know, just so Junior knows, like this is what you deal with. But what he doesn't know is he worked with Steve for a long time, right? He was his driver, but he could always get away from Steve. He would go to his motorhome and Steve would stay in his in, in the trailer working. But now there's no escaping. So you wake up in the morning, there is Steve. Before you go to bed and you go in your own hotel room, there is Steve. So I got something for Junior, an earplug, because he's going to need (laughs) them this year. That's going to make it tolerable.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Welcome into NASCAR America from the Big Oak Table in Charlotte, Carol Amano, Jeff Burton, uh, Dale Jarrett. How did you avoid getting into the middle of this melee that we've now started with Jeff and Steve?
3: I think coming in late to work sometimes has been to my advantage. So that's what I've done <laughs> is stay out of the way, and I stay out of these controversies that y'all are creating here. This is going to be interesting time we get to Chicago Chicagoland. Uh, we had not even
2: started yet. We have 20 races <laughs> to go. Well, you know how he stays out of it? Hall of Fame. Yeah. So you don't mess with a Hall of Famer. I it's mentioned that T J
1: was our Hall of Famer on the show today. You know what? I'm at the Big Oak Table for the last time in a while and I'm just surprised that neither one of you guys invited me to dinner or something. You know what I mean? I you mean, could have come this,
3: to Kanapolis and watched Zach play baseball with me because yeah. that's where I have dinner. Do you eat hot dogs? I thought, that's where I would go. Yeah, yeah. sure, sure. Okay, I just yeah. thought the
1: hospitality thing, you know, being Sorry. down here in North Carolina, I missed well, it you were, somehow.
2: Yeah, and you were also you were invited to go to Michigan at the late mall race where I was. You could have come there to go to the oh, race. I guess but, my
1: invites to those things yeah. got lost <laughs> awesome in the mail. I think okay. we
2: spend a lot of time at home. Okay. Yes.
1: All right. Let's uh, let's take a look at what we've got on the show for you today. The latest installment of our Driver to Driver series featuring Matt Kenseth, who made his return to the Cup Series last month, and why he came back to help out a friend. Dale Earnhardt Jr. taking a break this week, but we're going to see how his latest venture has been going. So we'll check in with Jr. as well, and we're going to visit the mayor's office, Jeff holding court on the highly debated rules package and where he stands on what Brad Kozlowski and a few others had to say about it. With that, let's take a look at the current Monster Energy Series playoff standings as we approach the off weekend. So only six drivers here have recorded victories so far in 2018. That's the fewest, by the way, through 15 races since 1996. And if you look at this list, the drivers still searching for their first wins of the year. They include a couple past champions, Brad Kozlowski, Kurt Busch, Jimmy Johnson. And one of the things we've done on NBCSports.com is put up a new bump and run article. Dustin Long, Nate Ryan, a few others from the website chiming in on some of the topics that we've been discussing this week. So we thought we would put that to you, gentlemen, and ask a couple questions. So the first question on the list uh, from the bump and run this week was what performance has stood out so far this season to you, DJ?
3: I think it was Kyle Bush at the Coke 600. We're talking about a racetrack that he hadn't won at previously in a cup car, and, and to go there and dominate uh, the way that he did, I, it really shocked me because th- this track goes through. And I know we saw Martin Truex do something, well, even more spectacular because he led more laps than what Kyle did. I think it was 377 that he led, and, and uh, it's just amazing. But uh, because of the performance of the Fords, I just found it very interesting that Kyle went to a track knowing that he needed that
2: win to kind of complete the cycle, uh, if you will, and, and dominate the way that he did. And mine wasn't as specific as, as DJ's. I, I think what Stuart Haas Racing has done has been amazing. I mean, they you know, we heard all winter that the Fords aren't gonna be very good and, and they came out this year and they've been the predominant Ford team. I mean, and and really they've brought pressure to the rest of the teams. And you look at the improvement that Kevin Harvick and his team made. I mean, when you're a really good team and you make a, an improvement like that, that's huge. You look at what Clint Boyer has been able to done, I kind of feel like uh uh Kurt and his team—they've kind of stayed the same, which is good. Yeah. And then the the improvement of the ten car has been, you know, huge. So you know what they've done so far this year has been really impressive.
1: I'm just—I've got the article in front of me, so I'm going down what Nate and Dustin and some of these other guys have said. Joey Logano was a name that came up quite a bit—that he's not under the radar, but that he's had a number of top tens and maybe not getting recognition for that that he deserves. And do you buy that as something that surprised you, or? Well,
2: I think I think with Joey, I think we all expect him to run well. Yeah. And and like last year was was not normal. At the end of last year and halfway through last year, I mean, they were just terrible, to be honest. I mean they just they couldn't they couldn't do anything right. And I think that uh the people that watch them race every week are kinda like, Well, that was something odd happening. So what they're run how they're running this year doesn't I don't think it surprises any of us. No, it doesn't surprise me.
3: If I were gonna look in that organization though, I would have to say that Brad is the one that that is surprising to me that, you know, Joey's got a win. you know, Brad is is still searching to to find everything right that they need and that with the Fords especially and I know that uh, you know Stuart Haas, as you've pointed out, you know, they they've kind of set a high bar here this year and the and the standards but uh, Penske's Pinsky's uh, organization hasn't been able to keep up with that yet. So I think that's a little surprising to me but logano has got his win. He's in pretty good shape. And
2: and, Ryan, and sorry and Ryan Blaney. Yes. to me is the leader of that pack at the moment. Yeah. Ryan Blaney and that 12 team, they are, you know, if you look at the the how they've run poles and all that kind of stuff to me, that 12 car, that's that's their top team at the moment.
1: It hasn't kept Brad from being really vocal about the future of the sport. Uh, We're going to get to that in just a little bit later on in the show because Jeff wants to weigh in on that. But the next question on the Bumper Run article was biggest thing that surprised you this season. I know we mentioned Joey Logano and kind of pointed it that way. But what else have you seen DJ and thought, whoa?
3: Uh, Well, I saved mine for number two with the Fords because it's the Fords. (laughs) Because there was nothing telling me. From what I saw last year, that the Fords were going to come out, you know, I knew that there were going to be a couple of rules changes. But I had no idea to the extent of which it was going to help the Fords, what it helped them, and hurt the Toyotas as much as it hurt their speed. And we expected way more from uh, the new Chevrolet. But I think just the speed of the Fords across the board, you know, they've been uh, qualifying well, and I think Doug Yates did his homework. You know, I think that. After the passing of his dad, he said, I, I, I want to go out here and prove a little bit more. Not that he has anything to prove, but he was like, I want to come out here in 2018 and, and show everybody exactly what we've been doing, and the Fords have just been incredible. I think qualifying is always a great indicator uh, of horsepower, and, and they've all been, I mean, we've seen anywhere from five to seven to eight in the top ten almost every week, and then to top it off, uh, just the four car every single week being as fast as he is.
2: I am shocked that Chevrolet hasn't run any better than they've run. Because in the off-season and off-season testing, my phone wouldn't quit ringing from Chevrolet team drivers, team members, how excited they were, how good their test was going. I mean, they were excited and fired up. So they felt good about it. And I think when they went to Atlanta, they, went, they were shocked that they were not running any better. And, and that, to me, has been the big surprise I knew, and I think it's, it's you know, when you, have a, when you have a change of a body, it's not simple. But when they went testing, they were so optimistic, and they felt so good about it. To to go from the results they got in testing versus what they're getting on the racetrack has really surprised me. The optimism was unbelievable. I, I cannot tell you how optimistic those guys were in the offseason. So I'm just shocked that the Chevy teams haven't run any better. And I, I, I have a little different take, like, I think Ford like I don't know that Ford has gotten a ton better.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I think Chevrolet has gotten worse. And if you look at yeah. stats from last year, Toyota's actually better than they were than they at this point last year. Chevrolet, so it's like Chevrolet has opened the door for more success. And I that's not nothing against Ford or Toyota, but I just yeah. think that their lack of performance has been why the Fords part of the reason why the Fords and the Chevrolet. I was have feeling
1: pretty good. optimistic heading into Michigan before Michigan about maybe which way they were trending, but it doesn't seem to be the case based on what we saw this past. Not weekend. gonna happen
2: overnight. And yeah. and you know, we've said this before, when you are in a hole, you have to dig out of it one step at a time. You cannot just dump all the dirt in and jump out. It's not gonna happen like that. So I don't think you'll see them flip a switch. I think you'll see a particular Chevy team start running better Mm. first. I don't think they're all going to start running better. And then you'll see this. They're going to run better, but it's not going to happen. The
1: thing that I was thinking about about this question was some of these young drivers that I expected to have more success that we haven't seen so far, like a Chase Elliott and Blaney and Larson and some of these guys. It surprised me that we've seen such dominance from just a small group of veteran drivers.
3: If there's something that I've taken away from as bad as the Chevrolets have been, it's just how extremely talented Kyle Larson is. We all have known that, but he's been the one shining star, if yeah. you will, uh, of that group. So
1: the last question on the bump and run was a bold prediction moving forward.
3: Yeah, and this is in honor of Kyle Petty not being here. He's at <laughs> home with his. <laughs> Speaking you know, his of son. another guy that didn't invite
1: me to dinner, I thought yeah. I would have at least gotten over there to give the new kid like a bunny or like a blanket or something. I just like come down to Charlotte. I just. Go and this is because
3: every year since we've had the playoffs, Kyle has always said that Jimmy Johnson's not advancing to the next round. So he always does and makes us wrong. So I'm going to make him make me wrong here. I say that Jimmy Johnson's not going to win a race this season. And, uh, I I, I didn't think that would ever be possible as long as he was racing.
1: Even though you seem to have some success getting into the top five. The
3: success I saw was at a short track at Bristol, and it's going to be, you know, he's got another race there. But the other side, everybody wanted to point to Charlotte. That was a night race. Now, he may go somewhere else and have a night race to where the cooler track helps him more, but there's still a lot faster, a lot of faster cars and drivers than what they are.
1: What about you? Mm,
3: that is bold, but yeah. it's hard to argue. <laughs> I mean, It's hard to argue.
1: I think yeah. they're going to be able to figure it out somehow, but I don't know why. I hope they do. Yeah, I don't yeah. know why. For the
2: sake of the sport and us yeah.
1: covering it. What do so, you think? So so mine,
2: after coming off of a win, may not seem that bold, but I think Clint Boyer, we keep looking for the, you know, who's the fourth guy. You know, we keep mm-hmm. talking about, you know, the three that have dominated the sport so far this year. Who's that fourth guy? I think it's Clint Boyer. I think that Clint Boyer is going to go to homestead with a chance to win a championship, uh, the reason why is because, you know, when I think about Clint Boyer and he was a teammate of mine, I think about consistency. I think about a guy that isn't necessarily going to win six races a year, but he is going to always grind out finishes and he is going to consistency is what he's good at. And I think at this point in his career, what we're starting to see is that he also is now starting to add in there a little more speed. And now he's happy with his team. And he and his crew chief are getting along. That's really important with Clint. His personality is such. He's got to be having fun. He's having fun. He's enjoying what he's doing. And I think that he's going to be that fourth guy. I think he's going to be the one that goes to homestead with a child. If Kyle Larson
1: would have won at Michigan, would he be your fourth guy right now? you sure about that? Everybody wanted to make him the fourth guy. I
2: said two weeks ago on NASCAR America, I think. I thought Clint Warrior could be that fourth guy. Okay. So I was ahead of that a little bit. I'm going to give you uh, there you <laughs> but, go, don't, Jeff.
1: Don't, <laughs> let, don't let me down because I'm watching right off the list. Just to be clear. <laughs> All right. Well, um, you might have noticed Dale Earnhardt Jr. is not on the show this Wednesday. I came down to see the guy. He just absolutely up and disappeared. He has been a very busy man, though. we got to give him credit for that. Becoming a dad, his podcast, working here at NBC Sports. Up next, we're going to check out his latest project when we come back. Stay with us.
4: NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection.
0: Proven protection for 20,000 miles.
3: It is Wednesday. Y'all.
5: Every time I go to get my shirt to get ready for this show, I have this little paranoia, damn, am I going to wear the same shirt I wore last time because I can't remember which one it was? I take that amount of care and I put it somewhere else. (laughs) I think that I was always real good at being able to move around and find where speed is on the track and not really... Um, You know, forcing myself to to make the car work in one particular groove all day. Michigan's a real wide track and allows you to move around and find speed. I would love for them to have invitation races for for Cup Guys to to make those events big time events. Hey, how do you take your coffee? Um, I really don't care because I just chug it. You know, I'm (laughs) only in it for the caffeine and the energy and I really don't care. I gave him the shoulder to beat him into the port of john and then I stood in there for about 15 minutes to catch my breath, because I just about had a heart attack. I told those guys, Dill Jarrett, the Tart, and Rick Allen, like, y'all are going to have to tether me to the floor when we get to <laughs> Chicago, because I'm just so, so excited. <laughs>
1: Wednesdays here on NASCAR America usually mean that Dale Jr. is here. He did decide to take a cue of many of the cup drivers on how to spend an off week by taking a vacation. His wife, Amy, posted this pic of the happy couple on Instagram. He deserves a little bit of time off. He's been extremely busy with several projects, including a home renovation. Let's take a look at that. <laughs> The lady that owned the house before was quite the collector, so the inside was completely full of anything that she could find on the street corner or whatever, so we were trying to clean all of that junk out today.
5: Oh, man. What? Is that larvae? Yeah, I think it's maggots. We pulled out one uh, cabinet that you didn't see, Mm
3: -hmm.
5: and behind it was maggots. And uh, nothing else, so uh, whatever they were there for, is gone, like completely gone. That's gross. <laughs> completely, <laughs> don't breathe. Completely disappeared. I mean, they were... that house is in extreme condition of of Filt. rot and filth. It and really is, in all, and all that we were aspects. kind of working in. Yeah. <laughs> holy. The <laughs> dog. No, the <cat's laughs> <laughs> Holy. I'm so impressed because they were consistent. They had their corner. They, they kept. Yeah, they had their spots. <laughs>
1: You can check out Junior and Amy on Renovation Reality Saturdays at 9 p.m. Eastern on the DIY Network. You know, it won't be too long, Jeff, before Junior officially joins the team. We can't wait to have him. Are you it's excited? Be, yeah. He's doing pretty good.
2: It's going to be fun. We're going to have a good time. And I, I have, But I have to say, I don't know if we can have Winsdale without... Dale here. Yeah, so he's in trouble with us. Hill Jared today. He is. <laughs> that's right.
1: That's how, that's how we prefer it. We love well, we love we've DJ gone down in the here house. for sure. <laughs> okay, uh, make sure you catch him up July 1st from Chicagoland Junior. The Big Oak Table about to become the mayor's office when we come back. Jeff Burton teeing off on everything we've been talking about this week. Stay with us. Welcome back, everybody. Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard returning to star in the next chapter, one of the most exciting movies in history. Don't miss the movie event of the summer. You can see Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom in theaters June 22nd. In NASCAR, they are not talking Raptors as much as they're talking rules packages.
3: They found a great package for the all-star race. Um, I think that package needs to remain solely at the all-star race.
5: I felt like I agreed with just about everything Brad said. Um, I felt like that package was was perfect for the all-star race.
4: My hats are off to NASCAR for looking at uh, different, different packages for our, our
0: product out there. Making these races more Daytona Talladega style, I don't have a lot of interest in watching that.
5: If we went to restricted plate racing every week, I just feel like anybody can kind of get in and drive them and hold them wide open. I thought it was it was pretty exciting and fun. It
2: reminded me of, like, go-kart racing back in the day, a long time ago. I think if you put a package like this
3: out there, uh, like what we had at the Charlotte All-Star race, on a consistent basis, that the best drivers in the world would no longer go to NASCAR. They will pick a different sport.
5: I wouldn't mind a couple... Races, especially the All-Star race, I think that was, like I said, a great package. I don't know if it's an every week package,
2: but uh, for these type tracks, I think it's good.
0: NASCAR racing from the way it was at the very beginning, that was a different skill set than taking cars and, and, you know, choking them off.
3: And there's no doubt that you, can, you make less of a difference um, at, with that configuration, that rules package. I'd rather see that in yesterday's race, not today's race.
5: You know, the package I thought was, was, was really good for this track specifically. It really, really hurts me to think
3: about uh, if we're going to change that to satisfy uh, Johnny-come-lately fans.
1: the doors to the mayor's office now because Jeff Burton has not had an opportunity to sound off on this. There's a lot there and many people have offered their opinion on this, Jeff. I would say Mark Martin and Brad Keselowski seem to be the most animated out of the group in terms of how they feel. Where do you stand?
2: Well, listen, I think their are voices that deserve to be heard. You know, Mark Martin, obviously, Brad Keselowski is a guy that really wants to be involved in the sport and make the sport better. He's, You know, he does more than just drive. Um, you know, I think what they're trying to say is there's an integrity to racing, right? And how do you keep that integrity? Now, I don't care how much horsepower the cars make. When someone when someone wins an Xfinity race, they don't get out and say, "Well, anybody could run it because it has less power than a Cup car." When somebody wins a truck race, they don't say, "Well, it was easy to drive. Anybody could have won it. It has less power than a Cup car." I understand the you know not wanting to run wide open around Michigan. I get it, <laughs> and, and I wouldn't want her to do that either, but. This is a process that is taking place. And there is a tremendous amount being learned, good and bad. And so the, the all-star race at Charlotte was fun to watch. And I think it was fun to do for those guys also. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was an all-star race. Uh, the the extended the race at Indy last year with, with a package similar was a much better race. It's non-debatable, much better race. They, they went to Pocono with it, and it, it didn't make a bit of difference. At Michigan, it made the race better, but they were going pretty slow. So... So now NASCAR and all the stakeholders get to take that information, right, and learn from it, and try to come with a package that does everything that everybody's wanting to do. They still need to be hard to drive. NASCAR has never said that they won't pack racing at Michigan, and they've never said that uh, they they want it to remain so that it's difficult to drive. So how do you do all that? That's really the question. There is a way to change the way races happen at some racetracks. No one's ever talked about running these packages at Martinsville, Phoenix, anywhere like that. But on some of these tracks that haven't put on real fun races to watch, is there a way to do it and maintain the integrity? And I say there is. Now, is it going to be easy? No. Is it going to take a different package than you run at Phoenix? Without a doubt. And there's nothing wrong with looking at it and trying to figure it out. And I think what everybody's worried about is that this package is the only answer and it's not this package is something that's being tried to learn what's good and what's bad and ultimately a decision can be made to make the racing better at these particular racetracks not everywhere and i don't know how that's bad for the sport unless anybody can get in the car and do it that will be bad for the sport but But I don't believe NASCAR has any intention of making it like
1: that. We said this on the show yesterday because DJ and I talked about it. NASCAR has never come out and said that they want to do this on a consistent basis. So I took issue with that with what Brad Keselowski said, that the drivers are going to abandon the sport. They haven't said that yet. But, DJ, since you guys are both drivers, help me understand, help average people understand why drivers are so up in arms about this feeling of, I'm not gonna be able to show my talent. I'm not gonna be able to do what I ultimately want to do. Brad Keselowski at the root of it is saying, if I don't get to do that, if I don't get to showcase this, then I'm gonna go find somewhere else to do it. What, what do they really, what, what do they mean?
3: Well, it it is a different skill set. The the biggest problem here is the word and the use of restrictor plates. And and that that makes it to where everybody can run, basically hold it wide open. And as Larson said, anybody can do that. Anybody can do that by themselves. It's a whole different thing when you're out there with a group of cars and other drivers. Then it becomes something totally different. And if... Del Hart Sr. were here, he would totally disagree with what Kyle Larson said there, that everybody can do it when you're just running wide open. Because it is a different skill set. But we don't need restrictor plates everywhere. But what – it takes a different skill to, to be able to drive a car – more on the edge than someone else, and have a response to where you're in and out of the throttle. These guys don't just want to run wide open all the time. You know, short tracks and late model cars have a lot less horsepower than than what these cup cars do, but you have to get in and out of the gas because they don't have the banking and the short track racing. That's what these drivers want, is, is to have that ability to be able to do with their race car. If everybody's just running wide open, then it takes away some of of what you can do. And we don't need that all the time with plates. I'm still adamant that we need to slow the cars down in a different direction. Along with slowing the cars down, then we take more downforce away from them, make them harder to drive yet. Because if you leave, if you slow them down with with taking the uh, engine, uh, the horsepower away from them, then they're still gonna be able to run wide open whether they have plates or not. So then you gotta take away some of that down for. So these drivers just want to be able to showcase their skill. They're not going anywhere because this is still the best form of motorsports and the best paying form of motorsports, and they're not going anywhere with that. But I appreciate their opinions because we gotta have all of that to gather all the information to make the right decisions.
1: But Jeff, why do I get the sense that In the driver's mind, the fans are somehow the enemy. Like That's why I had a problem with what Mark Martin had to say about Johnny Come Lately fans. That's called a new fan. That's called someone that's trying to get on board with NASCAR and be entertained to a certain extent by what's going on. And you just said yourself, some of these races have not been maybe quite as entertaining as they should be. Why is that the fans' fault?
2: Well, I I don't think, I, I think what they're saying is that the fans want to see something that's difficult to do. It's not in the best interest of NASCAR fans or, and, and the following of NASCAR for it not to be difficult to do. And so, so what Mark Martin was saying was, he wasn't trying to be disrespectful to a particular fan base, but what he was saying was, at the heyday of our sport, right? At, if you look at the heyday of our sport, these cars were <laughs> really difficult to drive. Yeah. They just were. And, and so when you go back and you look and you say, well, if, they, if we race like that then, why isn't that kind of racing good enough now? That's what you fall back on unfortunately it's not that simple if we knew the answer why we have less people watching today than we did you know five years ago, we wouldn't be having this conversation because it would be fixed. We really don't know it so in an effort to try to make the racing more fun to watch and to bring more people in that want to watch it, there may be some changes that need to be made. You can make an argument there's been enough changes made that we have less people watching there can be you can make that yeah. legitimate argument as well so this debate will rage forever, but, there is, but but to be clear, there is a way forward in keeping these cars difficult to drive and not always disadvantaging the guy that's running behind somebody else. That's what we have today, and the low downforce package didn't fix it. The drivers wanted low downforce. They wanted a lot of power. They thought that that would make it so the guy in second is not hampered. Well, that didn't fix it, okay? When you are running behind another guy, you are disadvantaged. There's never an advantage. The idea of this package is that now, at least down the straightaway, you can get a tow, you can get a draft, and you can have an advantage somewhere versus being only disadvantaged. You think about this year's Indy 500. It was not as good of a race as what we've seen before. They took down four soft, they made the cars harder to drive, but me, the race fan, I didn't see as good of a race as I saw the, the previous three or four years. So. It's, it's a it's a, it's a it's a it's a real difficult so, solution and i'm i i think you are and i am i mean i'm old school i will i there's an art to driving a race car it's an art to drive in it you can appreciate it i can appreciate it you can't because you've never <laughs> driven a race car yeah. and nor have 95% of That's people right. watching races so we got to find a way to relate to the fans without messing with the integrity of the sport I think Brad is exaggerating the situation, trying to make his point. Yeah. And just you know, we we gotta just bring the rhetoric down just a touch <laughs> and understand that we're all getting an education right now and the whole sports learning and eventually we can apply that to a package that works.
1: So where should it be, in your opinion?
2: This year? Well, listen, I, Indianapolis, to me, is a no-brainer. Yeah. Like, I, you know, the, the the Xfinity race at Indy last year showed me that we can have stock car races at Indy that are fun to watch. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody said, well, Indy's a, uh, you know not for stock cars. Well, you know what? It is with the right package. And that race was better. And by the way, the best car won. The best driver still That's won. Right. Yeah. right? It still won, but we saw more racing than we've seen there in the past. Indy, to me, is a no-brainer. The next place a version of what has been tried should be I think, is where we could learn the most. And, and I'm not the person to answer that question. But where Indy would just help the quality of race, period, end of story, the biggest place we need it. The next place should be is where can we learn the most to, to, even if they make a change to it, to greatly enhance the ability for 2019 to really understand when and how it could be used. Yeah, it's difficult to come up with that solution. But the only way to do it is to do
3: it in races. You can go, we tried this a few years ago where we were having these tests and trying to put 10 and 12 cars. You can't figure it out with 10 and 12 cars. It takes a a race to make all of this happen. So many things happen. So you need it. I, I personally think that Michigan, now does it need to be as small a plate as maybe what they had on at Charlotte? Probably not. I think that they could allow them to go a little bit faster. But, you know, we could see something totally different there and and do some things a, a little bit different to, to try that. But that would be a place that comes to All mind. All right. Before we
1: get out of the mayor's office, there was something that came out last night that was a little bit of a head scratcher. We know that Clint Boyer made a bunch of headlines. He won this week despite the race being called before it reached that scheduled 200 laps. Still goes into the record books, still is an official win for Clint Boyer, but one team owner, JTG's Brad Doherty, gave his thoughts on the win and others like it on Sirius XM NASCAR radio last night. Listen to this.
6: You a, a, win a rain shortened race or you win a fuel mileage race, take your trophy and move on. I don't hear anything else about it. And I don't want to hear anything. I don't want to hear it on radio, TV, I don't want to hear somebody I don't want to see somebody write something a year later about talking about, oh yeah. Clint Boyers, you know, had a great run at Michigan, and they won the race. It just no. So you take any win any way you can, and you blow it up, and you make it bigger than it is. So the sponsors look at it and say, "Well, we won. We're 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 here. We're in victory lane. Yeah, this is a big deal." Yeah, okay, all right, I get it. I get it. I get all the pressure. I get. I understand. But I'm not looking at these guys who win these races, rain delay races, the same as I am as a guy that goes out lays the coal to it, and figures out how to get to that checkered flag at the end of the full period.
1: Don't tell that to Clint Boyer. He's in the doghouse this week because he won one of those. And you've won a rain-shortened race as well. Your reaction?
2: I've more, won well, more than one rain-shortened race. And I've lost, I feel like, more than one rain-shortened race. Listen, everybody has the same radar. Everybody has the same opportunity. You look at what Clint Boyer and his group did on Sunday. They made a great Strategy call, and then Clint Boyer drove his butt off to keep the fastest race car driver and the fastest car behind him until it came to rain. You gonna tell me he didn't deserve that? That's wrong. And and uh, you know, a guy if if, if it were have rained halfway through Charlotte last year or this race and Kyle Bush was dominating and 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 he won, are you telling me that doesn't count? Of course it counts, and it counts the same. There are some exceptions where you know, somebody runs terrible and just by chance, he, you know, pitch strategies and, you know, he's a 20th place car and he wins. Like, I get that. But the majority of times, the by far majority of times in a rain-shortened race, a really good car wins that race.
3: Brad Darty's a friend of mine. But, Brad, I 100% disagree with what you said here. You know, it's a scheduled amount of time for this race. And if we get to that point, and our sport's totally different in other sports. But that's the rules, and that's the way that they are. If you win a race by fuel mileage because you've done things and gone about things differently, you weren't the fastest car, that doesn't make any difference. I'm sorry. You won the race on a different strategy. The best basketball team doesn't always win every game. That's why they play all of these games. So my question to Brad would be, so Steph Curry makes a half-court or three-quarter-court shot to win a game. Maybe it's in the finals or, or the, the championship for the, the West. Is that not going to count? Should he not count that? Should that not be celebrated? Because it's kind of the same thing he said. Because it's not, it's a desperation move right there. That's what that is. So that's... It doesn't seem that it would be. I it, it shouldn't count. A uh, lucky if that's the case. shot. It's, it's a lucky shot goes in. Yeah. lucky shot goes Always in and in win a in my championship. Mind. It absolutely Always does. Counts. And this is a win. Clint Warriors got the damn trophy to show it. So. <laughs> yeah. And the headache to go along with
1: Sorry, Brad. Maybe you're going to need to call after this if you guys are buddies and uh, talk it out amongst yourselves. Um, coming up on the show, we are going to hear from Matt Kenseth. He, uh, by the way, won a rain short in Daytona 500 back in 2009. I wonder what he would say about this conversation. He did sit down for a candid conversation with Kyle Petty and Driver to Driver.
4: Matt Kenseth in 32nd. Just trying to get to the break. I mean, it's just, honestly, they're just totally undrivable. I mean, I don't, I don't even know how to explain
0: it, to be honest with you. Trouble turn four! Stay in the gas, stay in the gas. Matt Kenseth spinning off of turn number four. is pretty good there. Just be ready if it catches on fire. We can only hope?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Matt Kenseth is going to look for better results over the summer. Roush Family Racing has announced his finalized schedule for 2018. It resumes July 14th at Kentucky. And Matt Kenseth joined Kyle Petty recently to talk about his return to racing after stepping away last fall in the latest edition of Driver to Driver.
5: Matt Kenseth making his return to the Cup Series, 46 years of
4: age. You know, the fans and the competition. Uh, The thing you miss the most is always the the competition. I mean, that's why I will. Started racing on Friday and Saturday nights, you know, with a couple hundred people in the stands and because you'd like to compete.
0: So here's this serious question.
4: They're all going to be yes/no
0: answers. I'm going to see if I can do please, it. Please, please. Right. What were you doing during your downtime at the beginning of this season, and how weird was it? Yes. To be skiing during the Daytona 500. Yes. Great answer, Matt Kenseth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, downtime.
4: Actually, it was um, it was really busy. It's pretty busy around my house, having um, adding a baby and then got a puppy at the same time. So um, four little girls at home and a, and a dog. Um,
0: I was I was plenty plenty busy. how how, how weird was it? Not to be there uh, I, I know I know when I stepped away, it was like that 's a different world now, yeah. all of a sudden it wasn't my world so how how strange was that transition?
4: you know there's been a couple things that are different than what most people would think or what, what I expected. So it really wasn't that weird not being there, maybe a little bit watching pre-race and right before they, they took the green, uh, actually when I was skiing for the day and got back home in time for the last wreck and the, and the finish. Um, so that was a little different than I thought. Another thing is how fast time goes by twice as fast at home than it did when I traveled for some reason. So uh, the last six months has probably been as happy as I've ever been in my life and the time went
0: by, you know, really quick. They say you can never go home again but you're back at Roush, Um, what was the conversation like when they picked up the phone and called and did you think it was real? Did you think this is something I want to do? This is something that can happen? What was that like?
4: You know, there was times where, you know, it didn't look like it was going to work out or I wasn't sure that's really what I wanted to do. I think if it would have been, you know, going back full time at that point, you know, for me, honestly, it would have been pretty much a no-brainer to turn it down, you know, but being being part-time and uh, to be able to try to help Jack when he's done so much, obviously, for my career. Without Jack, I wouldn't be sitting here today to try to help them and, and invest some, some time and, and get to the shop and trying to see what's going on and, and try to help the organization. Um, that was something I was interested in. You know, that's kind of what, what I want to try to do. I kind of knew I was taking on a project.
1: All right, so the last line of that, pretty interesting, Jeff, that he knew that he was taking on a project. Do you think that he has been frustrated more than he thought he would be by the results? I mean, I wonder if you kind of fantasize sitting at home with your kids and your new puppy and all this stuff, like, I'm going to come back, and I'm going to be able to really take on this project. And then you get in the race car, and you're like, and then on the scandal yesterday, he said he basically wished his car would have blown up or something.
2: I I think it was clear in talking to Matt one-on-one, but then also everything he said publicly, is that... Part of why he came back was the project, and you you get into a project knowing you're not going to fix it overnight, and and it will it will test your patience. I was I was involved in, in a rebuilding process one time, and it will test your patience. Uh, but when you go into it, as long as you go into it with the right state of mind, and and I think he did. I mean, Matt really has been calm, cool, collected. Matt the entire time, like he didn't want any expectations. Hey, what do you expect, Matt? He's like, I don't know. Like, you know, and, and so I, I don't think that Matt is, he's not the kind of person that thought, hey, I'm just gonna go in here and we're gonna immediately start running in the front. I, yeah. I think Matt's more humble than that. So uh, the fact that he said to me one on one, I'm looking forward to being in the shop and trying to help them, that tells me that he was prepared for this. And now it may be harder or easier than you thought it was gonna be. It's always one of the two, but, but I think he's got the right mindset to to see it through. And I think ultimately it'll be good for Rashman way.
3: Yeah, you can only hope that, that it's gonna do that because that's why they wanted him there to be able to help. You know, as a driver, as a competitor, you're always looking for a challenge. And what does that challenge present? So when Matt came into the sport, his challenge was, how do I win races? And then how do I translate that into being competitive and trying to win championships? He accomplished all of that. So now he said, you know, when he was out of the car, it wasn't that strange to him. He enjoyed this time at home. So what is the next challenge? Here's a huge challenge. I think that maybe it's a little more than what he actually thought that it may be, but that's still the mindset to him is I'm going to help this organization that helped me through a lot of years, I, I want to help them get these cars to where their young drivers can compete again. And they've got the right person with that mindset. So they've got some really good tracks in that list of where he's going to be that that Matt Kenseth can help them
2: and tell them what they've got to do to make this and go all the way through the season to be better. I think what's even perhaps more interesting is what does the future hold? So will Matt Kenseth be driving the six car next year, or will he be the director of competition or whatever you want to call that at Roush. I think that's what's going to be really interesting. We all assume that Matt Kenseth is going to be driving the six car next year. Um, I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I don't know. But, but the, the number of times that Matt said, you know, I'm excited about being able to help this team, he's talking about Roush Finlay. And how does Matt Kenseth feel he can help this team the most? I think that's what's going to be fascinating to watch what the future holds.
1: Do you get a sense that he has helped the team at all to this point? I mean, do you, do you get, is there any way to know that yes. even though you do
2: There's think- no doubt he's helped this race team. You know why? Because, because at the very least, at the very least, it is 100% clear now you, it's not the driver's. Yeah. And you couldn't it's, say that before. It you is kind of an equalizer. Like a driver
1: of his caliber comes in, and then if you're one of the other drivers in the team, DJ, you probably go, uh-huh. See, yeah. we've got to we've got to do some stuff. Yeah, I'm you sure know?
3: Trevor and Ricky both are saying, Hey, we've been trying to tell you this, but they they probably weren't getting the direction that Matt is sending them in because of Matt's experience and understanding of that. I think they have a direction to go now.
2: Yeah. We we don't know how good Trevor Bain and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. really are. We yeah. don't know. We haven't seen them driving equipment with a teammate that's winning. We have not seen that. So, you know, with Matt, we've seen it. He won He won yeah. Phoenix last year. So, so now, yes, there's a little personal vindication for those drivers, but now the team, too. Now the team is like, okay, you know, we've been working as hard as we can work, but now it's no doubt we got to find a better way. And I think just simply for that, He's been a major help for the company. Yeah, no
1: interesting. All right, coming up, we're going to actually take a little bit of a trip back in time. We're going back to the 90s for a double dose of this day in NASCAR. Mm-hmm. One of those moments featured something Kyle Petty would never forget. You have to see it to believe it. Stay right here. We're coming back.
4: NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles.
1: Well, this day in NASCAR takes us back to 1993 at Pocono. Kyle Petty dominated the field on his way to a five second victory. Nice little moment there for KP, of course. Love the stash, love the hair. But this is uh, also what the race is known for. The fan that hopped the fence from the infield made his way onto the track. While the race was green, uh, he was later arrested. And then on um, this day back in 1999, Dale put on a show at Michigan, taking the lead from Bobby Labonte on lap 53. led the remaining 148 laps in a caution-free race. You beat Jeff Gordon to the checkered flag by just a smidge. And, yes. Burton, you came in third. A distant third. A distant third, I, <laughs> yeah. That race,
2: that race, I remember after that for weeks, everybody talked about how boring Dale Jarrett made that race,
3: and
1: something had to change
2: because... <laughs> Tell Jarrett made that race boring. He
3: dominated do? so bad.
1: You just dominated?
3: About Kyle Petty's win at Pocono. Wasn't that great? Yeah.
2: <laughs> that Not
1: as good. great as this a guy
2: jumping back over
3: the Oh, good. I know. Crazy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, is that yeah. just about the dumbest thing you could possibly that's do? That's pretty you high can on do, this. Yes.
2: Yeah, that, well, that, that even, well that's a lot worse than that throwing the pace part. Right now, he's Thank like, oh, God, God, they're coming. Here yeah, they come. Listen. I got to
1: dive. Yeah. Oh, we almost—he's out here! Yikes! Oh, memories. Nice walk down. I bet memory he doesn't lane. remember any
5: of it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man, more stories like that uh, on Nate Ryan's NASCAR on NBC podcast. By the way, Nate's episode with Ray Evernham just dropped today, and Ray, according to Nate, sharing some insight into Jeff Gordon joining him in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. So, great stuff on the NASCAR America Debrief podcast, too. Burton's going to join Nate after the show. You can hear that episode tonight. Last week's with Junior. Junior discussed his ability to recall race results.
5: Rutt asked you to name the two people who finished behind you in your two Michigan wins during yeah. NASCAR America. And you knew it right off the bat, which I think surprised you as totally. well. Totally. Yeah. Can you do that with all 26 of your career wins? Maybe. <laughs> really? Yeah. If Dale has information, Nate, that you absolutely that's, will not see coming. Alright, so that's one of those things like if I said, <sighs> give me the lyrics to this song, you couldn't do it, but if, if a song in your phone you might not be able to do it, write it down, but if I played it on the radio or you're riding around in your car, you could sing it word for word. So that's kind of how you retain some of that information. You know, I don't know if I can write it down on a sheet of paper, everybody that ran second in every win, but if I watched a clip of the race, it would spur that knowledge. I'm, I'm going to yeah. guess 75%. If, you, if we showed you like a four-second clip of each I race. I could do play. every one. If I get four seconds of every win, I could, do, I could probably do 100%. Wow. That's
1: not bad. Right? Pretty good. I mean, I can't imagine how you guys remember all this stuff.
2: What would be your percentage? It
3: would be low. My memory (laughs) of anything is is not very good at all. I, I know the first two Daytona 500s, I beat Bell Jr.'s dad because he hadn't won at that time, but... Gosh, from that point on, yeah, I'm not sure.
1: I know. Every time we're on a conference call with you two, we ask you about your success. You're like, oh, I don't know. I don't remember that. It just just gets lost in the shuffle, I'm sure. Uh, I might join the debrief podcast as well unless one of you guys invites me to dinner or maybe somebody on Twitter invites me to dinner. I know I'm looking to get a dinner invitation (laughs) in Charlotte before I get out of here. Last year, Ryan Blaney and Chase Elliott taking advantage of an off week to explore Amsterdam. Coming up next, we're going to see where these two have decided to take their next European vacation. Tomorrow night, make sure you join us for some great short track action. The NASCAR K&N Pro Series West heading to the Rockies for the Napa Auto Parts 175 at Colorado National Speedway. That is tomorrow night at 6 Eastern right here on NBCSN. You know what? Landon Castle's going to be with us on tomorrow's show. He's watching today. Hey, buddy, what's up? Uh, Posted this, which is hilarious. Watching and the default picture for the channel loading is Parker Clickerman. (laughs) Leave it to Parker to just figure out a way to get his ridiculous headshot in there Um, also on tap for thursday's race um, after um, sorry before the race what am I saying you can catch us at 5 eastern on tap for tomorrow we've got Pete Pistone he always comes on he's going to go over the hottest topics Uh, fans calling into a show always offering something Kyle Larson going to reveal a new look for Stars and Stripes weekend at Chicagoland. And we'll have a preview of Sunday's Xfinity Series race at Iowa. That's all coming up tomorrow at 5 Eastern right here on NASCAR America. Let's uh, take a look at the Xfinity Series standings while we're talking about it. Only Christopher Bell and Tyler Reddick have virtually guaranteed themselves a playoff berth. But with no cup drivers in the field at Iowa, it is a golden opportunity for everybody else to win and get into the postseason. Great opportunity. And our social pit stop. Involves the driver making his Xfinity debut this week, Riley Herbst. She's been dreaming of this day for a while. I'm Riley Herbst and welcome to my world. <laughs> That's Riley awesome. He's going to make his Xfinity Series debut in the number 18 Toyota for Joe Gibbs Racing this weekend at Iowa. We'll see if we can if he'll make it his world or not. Yeah. I don't know.
3: Keep all four wheels on the ground. And Cute little clip.
1: Yeah, got to keep the wheels on the ground. That's huge. And while he's preparing to make his Xfinity debut, Chase Elliott and Ryan Blaney off to Ireland while the Cup series is idle this week. I guess they're documenting their trip. I would expect nothing less from these Looks two. It's like
2: Chase had a neck injury or something.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chase likes to wear a sleeping mask, apparently, while he travels. Don't talk to me. I'm sleeping. That's nice. I hope they uh, enjoy that. And then, uh, yeah, this one driving on the other side of the road. Have you guys done this, by the way? Is this strange for a driver to drive on the wrong side of the road? This I is when they landed that. in Dublin. You haven't? You haven't
3: no. Been... Uh, I've had a hard enough time on the right side of the road. It's,
1: just... <laughs> it's kind of a weird feeling, I must say. I mean, yeah, I, can, I, I can barely handle I rough do. streets of Charlotte, but when I switch over to the other side, it's well, there's really There's people who drive
3: on the wrong side of the road here, but <laughs> it's yeah. not intentionally sometimes.
1: Oh, man. So, any closing thoughts before we have the show?
3: No, I think it's a big weekend for Elliott Sadler. We talked about Xfinity. He hasn't won in 52 races, and he's going to be in the playoffs, but a win would do a ton for his confidence in trying to get that Xfinity championship. And
2: and along those lines, I think Daniel Hemrick. Daniel Hemrick's the guy that's been kind of knocking on that door getting his first win, and uh, somebody is going – it's a really good chance that somebody's going to get their first win of the year this this weekend, and, uh, you know, Two, two good picks right here. We'll see which one gets it done.
1: Yeah, and plenty of R&R for the Cup Series drivers since they get a bit of a break. Make sure you check out Nate Ryan's Debrief podcast from our show today, but that'll do it for now. For all the news, you can check on NBCSports.com. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a good night.
0: This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help Dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard.